welcome to episode 25 already of Real Voices of Happy Valley. Uh, in this episode, we chat in our living room with Nina Smith, who is involved in lots of things. Member of the Hebden Bridge Literary and Scientific Society, the Lit and Sci, as it's called. Um, been a member of Calder Valley Voices Choir, plays walking cricket and table tennis in Todmorden Sports Centre uh, and many other things. But today Nina is chatting with us about efforts to save and improve our railways, the services and the network and uh, is very, very knowledgeable about the whole thing. So here we go. Okay, so um, hello, good morning. Me and Viv sitting in our front room with our friend Nina Smith. Nina, you are involved in railway campaigns. Do you want to tell us a little about your involvement in okay. sort of trying to improve our railway network? Okay, well, I'm involved in two different campaigns. Um, the main one is Rail Future which is a national, entirely voluntary organisation with about 2,000 members. Uh, and our aims are to, for, well, in simple terms, for a bigger and better railway. In other words, we want the current railway run better, but we want a bigger railway. We want um, more stations, we want more routes, uh, tracks reopened, and that's for both passengers and freight. So my role, and it has been for the last 10 years, is I chair the Yorkshire branch of, of Rail Future. Uh, and what we do is campaign, um, which means we develop relationships with the train operating companies and to sort of tell them when we think they're doing well, we tell them when they think they're doing badly, we make suggestions to them as to what they could do better. Um, we also have good relationships with the transport authorities, um, which obviously locally is West Yorkshire Combined Authority, WICO or, or Metro, as, as some people call it, uh, <clears throat> who uh, are responsible for uh, and they, some of the um, infrastructure around public transport in West Yorkshire. So, I, I, so I've been doing that for 10 years. I, I was sort of secretary for about five years before that. How did I get into this? Around about 1970, um, I was sort of going through, uh, as young people do, going through a period of, of trying to work out, you know, what did I believe in? And um, I lived in a, at, at that stage, in a, a small town in Surrey at the foot of the Fourth Downs, which is very beautiful. A, lo a lot of nice walking areas, a lot of wildlife. Um, the M25 was being talked about, and I, I remember getting very involved in campaigning against the M25 coming along and ruining the North Downs. Um, oh, oh, that's interesting. You, you may or may not know this, but uh, we were sort of involved in trying to stop the M60, which is the Manchester government. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I've jumped on slightly then, because I'd, I'd, um, I'd already realised by that state, you know, how damaging... Um, uh, the way that the West was developing was was for the planet, mm -hmm. um, because there were two very influential reports which you may remember. Um, the ecologists produced something called the Blueprint for Survival, mm -hmm. um, and the Club of Rome reduced, produced a report called the Limits to Growth. 
Um, and basically, we're, so this we're talking 50 years ago, mm. we're, we're basically saying, look, if we carry on the way we're going and keep sort of, you know, just growing and growing and growing without any consideration uh, of the natural environment, um, we're going to, um, basically, we're going to wreck this planet. And of course, now... <laughs> We can, yes. we can see the evidence. We now. can see the evidence. If only people had started listening then instead of poo-pooing it. Yeah. Um, so, how does that link to to, to trains um, and public transport generally? I mean, going back to my my, my growing up days in Surrey, um, I was sent to sort of minor fee-paying day schools when mm -hmm. I was a child, and I commuted by train. To school from the age of five to eleven, oh, right. indeed from oh. from by bus after that to the grammar school. Um, so in a sense, I've always loved trains, um, and so the combination of sort of loving trains, I, I love train journeys, particularly sort of you know long distance ones you can see things and recognise. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that yeah, personally. I love it and, too. And recognising that um, you know, a train with two three hundred people on board. It's it's its impact on the environment is is far 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 less than than you know everybody being in their private cars mm. uh, and so although I I have a car and I use it because there's a lot of occasions when there's no option I have got involved in my later years once I I suppose once I was winding down in in, in career terms and started having some time because I'm a bit of a workaholic. So started getting involved in campaigning for a better railway mm. because it's quite obvious that our roads are overcrowded, they're overpolluted. Mm. Uh, even with <clears throat> electric cars, you still get congestion. Mm. You still get road casualties. You still get pollution from the tyres and, and brake, brake dust. Um, so electric cars environmentally are better than petrol cars or diesel cars, but they're not a sort of... You know, they're not wonderful. Mm. Um, and there's an awful lot of carbon generated in terms of manufacturing them as well. Um, I believe so, yes. So, so my belief is that we should be putting much more money into public transport so that it is there for people to use. If you live in Hebden Bridge, actually, we're very lucky. Our, we, and People may not think so when their train is late, but we do actually have very good train services compared to most places of a similar size. You know, when you've got four trains an hour to Leeds um, during the day and three to Manchester and you can get directly to York and Blackpool. I mean, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. But try travelling on uh, a Sunday morning. And you sort of got to wait till about 10 o'clock before you can get a train. Now, if you want to get a train, if you want to go to London or Newcastle or York or Hull or somewhere, you know, by the time you've got to Leeds for a connection, you've lost half the day or more. So one area where we need better train services is that for Sundays, we need the same train service more or less as you have on a weekday. I mean, commuting patterns have changed. And not as many commuting people commuting by train every more, uh, the same every more. But there are many more people using the train for leisure. Um, the busiest days on the railway quite often now, particularly in our area, are actually at weekends. Mm -hmm. Because people are getting out and about. But... But if you want to go and come back to a Sunday morning, you want to go anywhere on a Sunday morning, you probably get in the car because you want to get there before the first train starts. Mm. Um, you drive along the A646 and it's congested. Um, now, buses are another form of public transport. <clears throat> and buses are good, but the inherent problem with buses 
particularly if they're competing with, with, as an alternative to trains, is that the, unless they've got segregated busways, you've still got all the traffic problems. So bus services have become very unreliable because they keep getting stuck in traffic. Mm -hmm. And with the amount of roadworks, for example, on the A646, so people often get into their cars, if they're going to sit for a long time, they want to sit in their nice warm car in their comfortable seat and listen to their radio. And if we look at freight, I think anybody who drives gets sort of fed up with the amount of heavy lorries on the road. Uh, and basically, one freight train, um, a standard length modern freight train, can, uh, carries the same amount of goods as 76 lorries. Yes. <laughs> and that is an enormous environmental impact. Yeah. Um, and that tra that train, okay, it has a very large engine, but that, that train is using twenty five is, is reproducing twenty five percent of the carbon uh, of the lorries that it's replacing, mm. uh, and that's enormous. So we need to we need more freight on the railways. So why isn't there more freight on the railways? Uh, and one of the reasons for it is that our Victorian railway, the usual British problem, industrial revolution, we were the first. So we actually Which built to what historically it feels as though that was great at the time, but yeah, <laughs> but now we have a railway system in which, although the the tracks, what they call the load, the, the the gauge is the same as in continental Europe, what they call the loading gauge is much uh, is much smaller. Oh, I didn't know that. So most of our train lines, you cannot now you. You cannot transport the largest containers, which mm. are becoming the standard containers, oh. because the tunnels and the bridges mm. are too low, and, oh. it, and it costs an awful lot of money to, to to upgrade them, which is clearly what needs is, to happen. Is that why in Europe they have those lovely double-decker trains? That we've been, yeah, because they're not constricted, yeah. presumably. By no, you couldn't have a double yeah. But on a lot of railway lines in this country, you can't even have standard-sized containers. Mm. Well, I mean, as you may know, the, the Trans-Pennine, what they call the Trans-Pennine line, the Trans-Pennine route, mm -hmm. which is basically Hull or York to Leeds, mm. across to Huddersfield and Manchester and across mm. to Liverpool. Well, the section between York and Manchester is being upgraded. Mm. Um, and that's taking about 10 years to do it. And they started 10 years after they should. The usual thing mm -hmm. in Britain of everything starting too late. But they will be able to run new standard size container trains on that line. So that will oh, make some relief from mm -hmm. the M62, which we know is mm -hmm. rather like a lorry park Monday to Friday. Um, especially Friday. Especially Friday. <laughs> it's a nightmare, isn't it? Um, and, and also, I mean, it's a land bridge between Ireland mm -hmm. and the continent. Mm -hmm. um, so quite a, quite a lot of lorries are, um, are going across. I mean, less since Brexit. I mean, there's not much good that can be said about Brexit. But, but one thing Brexit has done is to create new shipping routes between the Republic of Ireland and mainland Europe, oh. um, which has taken some lorries off the M62. But the M62 is, is still um, absolutely overcrowded. So when that is completed in the early 2030s, mm -hmm. we will be able to get more freight on it. And there should be capacity for at least two more passenger trains each direction an hour, which will produce better services for the people who live in those intermediate stations on that line, mm -hmm. um, who don't get a very good service at all, much a, a greatly inferior service to we get on our line. Mm -hmm. um, so as I say, although we moan about our service, we're actually quite lucky. 
And we're lucky as well, aren't we, in Hebden Bridge, of having such a lovely station and having a oh, great yes. ticket office. You're, you're involved in, is it the Friends of the Railway Station? I was. I mean, when I say I was, I still am to a mm. small extent. I was the founding chair of the mm-hmm. Friends of the Hebden Bridge Station in 2007. Um, a few of us who were involved, you remember the Upper Calder Valley Renaissance? Mm. Um, and a few of us involved in that decided we should have a, a group to look after the station. <clears throat> because lovely as it was, uh, at that time, it 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 um, it had one major problem, which was that it was inaccessible to people with disabilities. Mm. So it was quite clear <clears throat> that we needed to get a lift. And we were also concerned that we wanted to make sure that the fabric of the station continued to be preserved in, it, in its lovely state. So was it you, and when I say, I mean, you collectively, not just you, Nina, who have got the, those lifts installed? As I much guess. as you can, you know, any one group can mm. take credit. I mean, obviously, the disabled people's mm. groups were lobbying mm. for it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and of course, we we had um, uh, at this time we we had um, certainly three, uh, two wheelchair users and one other mm. person with disabilities as part of the friends group. And their prime objective with the group was yeah. was to get the lift, mm. and we succeeded in doing that. And that's that, brilliant, isn't it? And the waiting that was, a, that was a great achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we can for other things like to get the car park extended, mm. which we have done. And on busy days now, that car park, the bigger car park is full. Mm. Um, say COVID has during the week reduced the number of people using the car park compared to pre-COVID. But the numbers are getting back to what they were as mm. more and more people are sort of going into the office at least part of the week. Um, and I love the um, the waiting rooms, um, especially the one on the side going towards uh, Leeds. Yes. And I've got a lovely picture of our grandson and his friend Playing the piano in there, ah. you know, and it's just fantastic that, that such yeah. a thing exists and newspapers, magazines, yeah. books that people mm. have finished with. It yeah, well, just the, adds to the... Yeah. It, is a, it is a community room. It's not just a waiting room. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's a good, descri- a good description. I mean, the, it is the friends who look after mm. that room. Well, well Can I pay tribute to David Taylor, who was one of our members who died yes. just before Christmas? Oh. He had moved down to live near his daughter in Weymouth in about three or four years ago. Um, but David, who... Um, uh, in his retirement, sort of be- be- basically became a very active railway historian. And oh. he was responsible for all the uh, getting the photographic display oh, done in amazing. the station oh, uh, yes. uh, as part of the Friends. Oh. So I've heard lots of people in those in those waiting rooms looking at the pictures and it generated lots of discussions about the sort of the valley, yeah. the history. Yeah. yeah. How marvellous the railways are generally. And David has actually published a book for those that mm. are interested, which is published by the Hebden Bridge Local History Society. Mm. And I think is still available. And you could order it through the bookcase in, in, in Hebden. Yeah. But yes, so the, the friends, um, yes, so there's a couple of bookcases. So as you say, we encourage people to leave books and magazines, yeah. the piano. And, um, and as you may have noticed, the, um, well, you will have noticed, the, um, we actually have rather nice wooden benches in there, yes. which is not normal. And that is something that the, the friends campaign with Northern to um, get some seating in there, which was appropriate for the nature of the room. We also campaigned for better toilets. In fact, if you go back 10 years ago, you may remember that the uh, yeah. um, 
the toilets were pretty substandard. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we campaigned for, you know, for there to be an accessible uh, accessible toilet um, uh, as well as, as, as better toilet books. So, so the Friends have done a lot of things. As I say, I was the chair until 2014, mm -hmm. which is when I took the chair of Rail Future over and decided not to do both. But, I mean, I'm still involved with them to the extent, you know, I, I sing in the carol service at Christmas. Uh, I also chair the Upper Calder Valley Sustainable Transport Group, which... We're, we're a bit low-key um, mm -hmm. because we're an unincorporated group, which yeah. means, you know, there's so much hassle these days to, you know, to start having bank accounts mm. and everything like that. So we just have an informal membership, no membership fee. But what we do, we, we've come out again of the Upper Calder Valley mm. Renaissance, um, which had something called a getting about group. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of morphed into the sustainable transport group. And what we do basically is... Uh, Keep an eye on things locally. We we um, sort of lobby the council on things to do with road safety, to do with cycling, to do mm. with walking. Um, and in terms of trains and buses, um, when there's a consultation mm. about something, uh, we will respond to it. Uh, I mean, the last one, of course, was the ticket office. And mm. um, we put oh, in yes. we put in a very detailed response as to why the ticket office was really important and why it shouldn't close. I was with you at that uh, demonstration oh, yeah. outside the ticket office to sort you know. Yeah, I mean, we didn't organise that as the Labour Party did to give the Labour Party its credit, but. Um, but, oh, but, no, I went because somebody in my book group says uh, people should go to this mm. and, you know, should start it. So absolutely. I think it's... Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, we put in a, I think, a six-page response and sort of had a look at the figures, which Northern did provide. Mm. And whereas, you know, they were saying, well, only 12% use the ticket office, but in Hebden, Hebden Bridge, it's 18%. And when mm. you translate 18%, um, of a footfall of three quarters of a million, yeah. you're talking, you know, it's over a hundred thousand people a year, or hundred thousand, yeah. uh, over a hundred thousand a year. So, the, yeah. and people don't just use a ticket office to buy tickets. You know, they use, they go there to get information. Yes, um, right. yeah. they go there to try and get the best fares because you know the skilled staff in the ticket office yeah. um, will help you to get the best deal. And of course, as you notice, I mean, uh, the ticket office staff will come out of the building if necessary to help people who are got a problem on the station as a disabled person needs yeah. a bit of help. If a train is late. Or once cancelled, and they will make announcements as pursued it to the station. Mm. Uh, for example, I was on the station the other day. Uh, the train to York was late, came in at the same time as the next Manchester one. Jason, the ticket office, gets on the loudspeaker, says, "This train coming in is not is not is is the late running uh, train to York." Um, the 0950 to Leeds has been cancelled. If you have a ticket valid for the 0950 to Leeds, please get on the train that's just come in. Your ticket will be valid. Yeah. That's the sort of service you you want, that you yeah. get when you've got people um, on the station, a community thing. And there was one time I had to go to London. Um, so I had to. It's not something I studiously avoid. <laughs> but, you know, because uh, I was on the chase, you know, the... Uh, quiz show ah. and um, so I went to the ticket office and I said they're paying for this here's the proof that they're paying I don't know how to go about doing everything so um, 
he came to the ticket, you know, the automatic thing. He said, actually, that's your best thing to use, but I'll go through it with you, which he did. And I uh, to use my card. And I thanked him very much, got home, and there's a message on Facebook saying someone has left their um, ticket, uh, you know, visa card at the station in the machine. And I said, oh, I think that's me. (laughs) (laughs) So the ticket office, man in the ticket office, I think it was Jason, I phoned him. He came out, he said, yes, it's here. You know, somebody's handed it in, so we'll keep it safe for you. Couldn't have done all that without a ticket office. You know, I mean, somebody, yeah, whoever picked it up could well have taken it to the police or something. Well, they may well have taken it to a police station in Leeds or Manchester. Yeah, it would have been so much more of a faff. You know, and I'd, I'd left my card and the return bit of my tickets. You know, oh. people like me need <laughs> well, you know, ticket offices. You know? That's actually something that we never considered. We think we had about six reasons why a ticket office shouldn't shut. Yeah, well, and that's the seventh one, one we should yeah. even think of. So, I mean, yeah. it, it just, just yeah. shows the benefit of, of, of service. Yes, um, yeah. But, I mean, our next campaign... Um, um, on ticketing. I mean, there's a proposal which is a pilot coming in next week on LNER, oh. and it only applies to services from London to Edinburgh, Newcastle, and Berwick. But it's a pilot, and what they've done on those routes, they have scrapped the off-peak tickets, mm. which is what most of us use if we're not buying if we want mm. flexibility, and they're replacing it with something which basically has got the title's name seventy in it. And basically, it's for it's booked for a train. But if you miss your train or you want to go early, you can catch a train seventy minutes either side of the window. Oh. But you have to have a reserved seat. Oh. So if you miss your train, you want to get the next one, but that train is full up, then you can't travel on it. Oh. So you then be forced to buy a full price open ticket to get back. So it's an absolute disaster. Oh. Um, it's clearly come again from one of these oh-so-clever people in Department of Transport mm. who, 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 who are the ones who dreamed up the t- ticket office closures. Mm. So that's the next thing which we're going to have to get our teeth into fighting so that the pilot becomes dead in its tracks. Oh. Um, because for those of us who want flexibility but haven't got, you know, very, very deep pockets. We need cheap off-peak returns. Mm. We need safer type tickets. Mm. Um, and if you and if you're going to sort of make the, I mean, the railways traditionally, and it's one of the great things about the railway is, it's turn up and go. Okay, oh. there are advanced tickets, but you turn up and go. You come to a station, you can buy a ticket, you can get on the next train. Yeah. And if it's off-peak, it's it's at a reasonable price, <clears throat> and you haven't got to book your seat. Okay, you take the risk you might have to stand, but at least you can travel when you want. And that's a very precious thing. And that's the sort of thing which helps people, makes people choose the public transport option. If you if you know you're going to have to pay a fortune for your ticket, or you may not even be able to get on the train, you might choose to use your car if you've got that option. Or you might choose not to make the journey at all. Mm. You know, and that might mean you're not, you're not seeing your friends or you're not going to a show or whatever else you wanted to do. So this is the sort of thing which organisations like Rail Future, which we have to sort of be very vigilant about and campaign about and fight against. Well done, you and everybody else involved in those organisations. It's one of the important things that, uh, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is is, is to remind people that there's always somebody working away in the background (laughs) for your benefit. And you're you're one of them, Nina. So thanks thanks very much for that. Mm. 
Yeah, thanks, Nina. Yeah. It's been really interesting. Thank you.